It's the best day. It's the day with zombie Jesus. Yay. Well, I got our opening. (laughs) 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 Oh, goodness. Hello and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Sam. I'm Danielle. And this is the podcast about sharing your weird media finds with your friends who don't know what you're talking about. That's me. But this week, Danielle, you do know what I'm talking about. I do. Yeah, I mean, I know what you're talking about. If I remember what you're talking about is another question entirely. So to clarify for everybody, this is going to be part two of the Michael End novel, The Night of Wishes, I'll be sharing today. So if you haven't heard part one, highly recommend it because, boy, it's a wild ride. But, Danielle, it's been a long time since you've had to do this, and I'm super excited. I can't wait to hear you tell us what happened in the last episode. Okay. In the first half of this book. I have not thought about this since last week when we recorded oh, our previous episode. <laughs> I am I am so shocked, Danielle. <laughs> I had thought about him passing, but I didn't think about the plot. Um, so Michael <laughs> okay. End, writer yes. of The NeverEnding Story, I learned That's that so he far, so wrote good. more books. <laughs> On a roll. <laughs> Woo! Um, this book, okay. It started with an evil magician. Magician, know, sorcerer. Wizard, yeah. wizard, yeah. Sorcerer. Sorcerer. Uh, he was the main character, and I was confused about that because I was curious if there was a protagonist or if we were following the antagonist through the Wait, entire what's thing. his name, Danielle? Uh, <laughs> Beelzebub? Uh-huh. Preposteror. Hey, you I got it, one! <laughs> I was like, preposterous. There's an R you in got there it, yeah. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you got it, Danielle. Wow, that took you like 10 minutes last time. <laughs> it was very hard. Uh, that's his name, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. (laughs) I can't guarantee I'll get it right the rest of the episode. Uh, he is, uh, evil. He's, he collects evil deeds throughout the year that he has to. I don't know if he collects them, so until he performs them. Well, I see, I was getting there. He has to do evil deeds throughout the year. He has, like, a quota he has to meet. Yeah, you go. Through some... Wizard ordinance? I don't know. Oh, he has an agreement with the devil. There you go. (laughs) Let's just say a literal contract with Satan, or... Beelzebub, in this case, to perform a certain quota of evil deeds, mostly in terms of destroying nature. Yes. And so he uh, makes rivers toxic and is mean to people. And I don't know. He, you don't really go into what Evil stuff. stuff. I mean, yeah. the book talks a little bit more about that in, in some detail in the list, but that's not very interesting. It's just your list of evil things. So I have omitted that. But trust me, not very nice stuff. Okay. So he, through the year, does not meet his quota. He's like mm-hmm. six months behind. And the reason he's six months behind is because they're uh, the uh, the animal society yeah. <laughs> group. <laughs> so the animals formed a high council. Yeah, there's a high council of animals that are trying to figure out who's performing all these evil deeds in London, right? That's where this is set? No, not even close to London. Oh, where is it set? <laughs> it, it's unspecified. Okay. But considering the currency is referred to as crowns, I'm guessing uh, Europe. Probably Central Europe. <laughs> okay. Maybe even Germany, Maybe where Michael Germany is from. Given, yeah. yeah. Okay. So anyway, does, in my head it was London, but that makes more sense. And so all of the the people who are suspected of performing these evil deeds get animals sent to them. 
And the animals. Well, the animals are sending out spies, spies and some of them right. end up with these people. I was getting there, people. Sam. Jeez. Yeah, kinda. <laughs> you don't know what I was going to say next. <laughs> well, I'm just correcting you. Like, they weren't specifically sending them to specific people. They were just sending them out willy nilly. Out into the world. And the one that ends up with him is a cat. Yes. Named something. <laughs> Eduardo. <laughs> you have no idea, right? <laughs> it's not Eduardo, is it? <laughs> not even close to Eduardo. <laughs> It's uh, Mauricio De Moro. Oh, yeah. No, I was not going to remember that. <laughs> anyway. Mauricio De Moro, I should say. The cat was super scrappy when it arrived. And he go. ended up realizing that it was a spy. And so he basically- Who, Who's he? Uh, the wizard. Okay. Ended up Beelzebub. Preposterer. Preposterer. Yeah. as good as the first one. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> and he realizes it's a spy, and so he basically, like, fattens him up and drugs him and keeps him as happy as humanly possible, as cat possible. So as cattily possible. <laughs> as cattily possible. So that he doesn't uh, say think that he's evil. And then, does anything happen after that pri- prior well, to the raven that, we learned that. I mean, something that's important to mention is you mentioned that the the shadow ministry sorcerer BS but preposterer is way behind his quota. Oh, that's and right. And he was visited by one maledictus maggot. I right? Forgot, yeah, I forgot it, about that part. Yeah, an and he said that if he doesn't Satan, finish up his all his evil deeds in whatever two days, three days, something like that. No, like six hours. Okay, really? Oh, I guess this starts. This book starts at five o'clock. I forgot PM, the New Year's and it ends clock at midnight. Thing, right? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> That's why it's the night of wishes, not the uh, several days worth of wishes. I forgot forgot the title, too. So he has six (laughs) hours to finish all of his bad deeds, but obviously he can't do that. And so he's trying to figure out a way to resolve that issue. What happens if he doesn't finish up his bad deeds? Oh, he gets taken... Back to Beelzebub, right? It's unclear. What they say is he'll be foreclosed upon. Okay, well, it's not good news. No, whatever it is, it's not good. But again, children's book, so not, I mean, it's actually pretty grisly for a children's book, but it is not specific as to what tortures he will face if he fails. Yeah, so that all happens. And then a, it's a raven, right? Yeah, it's a raven. Remember okay. his name? An old Man Cranky Raven. <laughs> yes, that's his name. Old Man Cranky Raven. Old Mr. Man Cranky old Raven. Man Cranky Raven. <laughs> Yes. In a book with names like no, Beelzebub Prepostor and Mauricio De Moro, Old Man Cranky Raven is the name. <laughs> His name's like Jack or John or... Oh, you're so close. Peter Paul. Yeah. I don't know. One nope. of the apostles? <laughs> Not one of the apostles. <laughs> What's his name, Sam? It is Jacob. Jacob. Oh, I Jacob Scribble. <laughs> also a Bible name, though, right? So Jacob? I mean, it's Hebrew. I don't know if it's like... One of the apostles or something. It's not an apostle, but <laughs> I think it's a biblical name. Anyway. I mean, Yaakov, yes. <laughs> right. Uh, and so, see, I was on the right track, Sam. Give me a break. <laughs> uh, wrong, wrong testament, Danielle. <laughs> so, Jacob the Raven, who is a cranky old man raven, he shows up and says that his- Also a polygamist, just gotta say that. Oh, there. yes. He has many wives. He uh, is, tells them that his owner is showing up. And is, who is who he who is his aunt the wizard's aunt? Yes. Do you remember her name? No, but she wears sparkly, amazing dresses. That's true. Her name is Tarania Vampirella. Oh, that's right. How did I forget that one? Danielle, you forgot I every put name all of this book of so my far. Energy I am not impressed. Remember <laughs> Prosperor. Not even close. <laughs> You're getting worse. <laughs> I can, I used all the energy, Sam, to get it the one time. <laughs> it's like watching your brain deteriorate in real time. Okay. Uh, then what happens? You're like, 
a third of the way through the first half of this book, Danielle. It's oh my almost gosh. done. It's almost done. No, my summary is, is almost done. <laughs> so you just keep interrupting. <laughs> oh, yeah. My fault, it's right? All, it's Sam's fault. Uh, so the ant's supposed to show up. We find out that the raven is actually one of the spies as well. Yep. And the... Oh, the two of them, the cat and the raven, decide to hide so that mm-hmm. when the ant and the wizard get together, they might overhear something. Do you remember where they hide? They hide in a toxic waste container. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And uh, it makes them ill, but that's really not relevant to the plot yet. Oh, and, yes. It will be, though. Yes, but it's not yet. And so the ant shows up. She appears dramatically, but nobody's there. And they hide in the toxic waste container. And then they overhear the ant and the wizard talking about all the nefarious plans, which is that the ant is trying to get the other half of something, some document. A scroll. Yep. That that allows them if they do the incantation or something allows them to have wishes granted this is the titular again there's a subtitle of this book potion that will grant wishes oh yes yeah, potion i forgot yes but do you remember the trick of the potion the plot relevant trick yeah it has to it does the opposite of whatever you wish right yes until and you have to drink all of the potion and make all of your wishes before midnight before the first toll of the of the New Year's bells. That's correct. So and if you don't, everything you wish for won't be reversed. It'll just be literally as you said. Right. So the idea is that they'll they'll wish for the opposite of the thing they actually want so that it is granted. But if they don't yes. finish it in the six hours or whatever, then that is all bad news bears. That's actually pretty good, Danielle. Thank you. And then the end of that is that they get out of the they get out of the to the container of toxic waste and they're not feeling well. Um they're almost caught but they play it off and then they are locked up because the wizard and the ant are afraid that they're going to ruin their plans at the New Year's party thing that they're doing. They're locked up, but then the end of it is they escape out into the snow. Yes. Yeah. To try to do something. They have no plan. Yeah, they have no plan. <laughs> Because apparently they can't go to the magisterium of animals. <laughs> the count, the high council of animals is probably too far away to reach and farm a solution in the now five-ish hours they have left. Yes. All right. Last question. Do you remember the subtitle of this book, the crazy long name of this potion? Of course not, but it's Fundersition Fena Potion. Oh, nailed it in one, Danielle. <laughs> All right. It is the <laughs> Satan Anarchali Idealcoholish Notion Potion. Yeah, of course. How did I not remember that? I just yeah. I can't believe that escaped me. Again, this is a word that sounds much better in German than the English equivalent. But uh, again, props to the translators for making an attempt to turn a German wordplay novel into any other language, frankly. Yeah, it's amazing. And I'm still going to say that word wrong because, again, Satan Anarchali the notion potion is very hard to say. <laughs> I can't even see the character name, so I can't judge you. Oh, I will, but I can't. I shouldn't. <laughs> I'll refer to it as the notion potion, That's henceforward. <laughs> Chicken. Uh, I've said it enough and wrongly enough that I think I've, I've earned that. <laughs> You've offended all of our German listeners. Oh, please. I would love if our German listeners want to like send us a voicemail of them saying these words correctly and correcting me, I will put that on the show. Yes, please do that. That'd be amazing. Right? Like, if you want to call and say, nope, you're saying this word wrong, please tell me what I'm saying wrong. And if you have any, like, insight into the wordplay, definitely, definitely get in touch. All right. That's where we left off, Sam. What's part two? 
Part two. So Jacob Scribble and Mauricio DeMauro have escaped out into the snow, as you said. Uh, escaped is a strong word because they weren't really imprisoned so much as just like forced out of the way like, like a child that you don't want underfoot while you're making dinner for your Thanksgiving feast or whatever. Right. Meanwhile, the shadow ministry sorcerer and his aunt Ty, as he refers to her, are getting in the right frame of mind to perform this nefarious magic because, quote-unquote, to do good magic, you have to put yourself in a loving, harmonious mood and to do evil magic in a wild and hateful one. Okay. So they are performing a duet on his pipe organ. <laughs> they have, like, no time for this nonsense. Look, they got to do it right. They know they have one <laughs> shot about this and they want to do it right. They know what they're doing. So Preposteror is sitting at his pipe organ, which is made of the bones of animals that have been tortured to death. Good. Because, you know, this book likes to get a little dark. <laughs> they were the smallest ones were little chicken legs, the larger ones from seals and dogs and apes, and the largest from elephants and whales. So, uh, grim. That is really grim. How do you torture a whale to death? <laughs> now you're interested. We you get those <laughs> whales back from the they caused you. I can't even kill the spiders in my house, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know, Danielle. I don't need to know. <laughs> so, Antarania is accompanying him by singing the carol number CO2 from the Satan's Hymn Book. So, CO2. that wordplay is fast <laughs> and furious. All right. While they're pretending in the right mood, the next step is to create the appropriate punch bowl to contain this alcoholish drink. And they always refer to it alcoholish as if it means alcoholic. But again, Wordplay! <laughs> so apparently no normal terrain of potion-making thing would be able to contain the power of this drink. So Beelzebub Preposterer takes out a can of spray, something, and sprays the green fire in his fireplace. So it freezes in place, and then he breaks it apart like glass and reassembles it into a giant fishbowl that's like three feet across. And that's the potion container. Sure, why not? His Aunt Ty is very impressed by this. She's like, oh, all that money I spent on education certainly has paid off. Off. How does it all work? And he's like, well, it's very, very complicated. But in essence, heat and movement exist only in positive time. If you one sprinkles them with negative moments, so-called anti-time particles, they cancel each other out and you get cold fire, basically. I'm like, thank you, book. I'm glad you took the time to explain the magic in <laughs> scientific nonsense terms. I actually kind of thought that was fun. <laughs> scientific nonsense. <laughs> Explaining something fake with something fake. Right, yeah. I mean, like, this is the time to rationalize his magic can of fire freezing spray. I'm like, all right, book, you've won me over. Again, this is why they're not going to win at the end of this book. Just wasting time. Well, they're not going to win for many reasons, Danielle. Mostly wasting time, but also, you'll see, their, their personalities are not conducive to cooperation. Shocking. I know. All right, meanwhile, Jacob and Mauricio are leaving... The dead park that surrounds the Villa Nightmare, the home of Preposteror. Mm -hmm. So-called the dead park because all the trees have been tortured to death by the Shadow Ministry Sorcerer. If you thought torturing a whale was difficult, imagine how hard it is torturing a tree. That seems sad. I know. Again, not good people, Danielle. This book <laughs> does not pull punches on how evil these people are. <laughs> they are very evil. It's well established. So... They're uh, trying to leave through the dead park, and as they're leaving, there is a magical barrier around the park that keeps people away. It's not a physical barrier, it's a barrier of fear, specifically fear of ghosts. So people who come near the park suddenly become very afraid of ghosts and will leave. So if they develop a fear of ghosts, or they only if somebody's afraid of ghosts? No, they, they just be they, you become afraid of ghosts and just like, mm, I don't want to go near that place, it's spooky. Okay. 
What if somebody was really into spooky stuff? Would they still develop a fear of ghosts? I'm assuming that the magic fear creates fear, not like your weird ghost fetish stuff, Danielle. <laughs> weird ghost fetish okay everybody listeners i do not have a weird ghost fetish i have no uh, idea literally no idea what he's talking about but what if they're into ghosts how do i get to this house what's the address <laughs> that's not what i was thinking i was just thinking some people are into spooky stuff they like watch tv shows about like ghost hunting and like to do that kind of thing so would that actually deter them that was my question sam i'm gonna say it's magic so yes <laughs> But maybe not. Maybe that's a flaw in the Shadow Ministry Sorcerer's <laughs> plan. Maybe curious. if, like, the Ghost Hunter TV show showed up, they'd be screwed. Yeah. That's all they like, need. like, the book addresses the science behind the magic fire. I'm like, just curious if it also addressed the science behind the magic ghost phenomena. Uh, not as it relates to people. It does address it as it relates to animals, though, because animals are less afraid of ghosts than people, apparently, for so some see, reason. So it does seem to imply that if you're not afraid of ghosts, then that wouldn't work on you. Well, I mean, like, animals, I say, are more immune to the fear of ghosts than humans are, because humans have, I don't know, a weird relationship with death. <laughs> I mean, that's accurate, but... <laughs> <laughs> Some people probably embrace the idea of seeing ghosts or see ghosts if ghosts are real. Who knows? Anyway, <laughs> as Mauricio and Jiget make their way out, they're like, suddenly, hey, do you believe in ghosts? Uh, yeah, sure. I even met a few. And they're like, all right. And they leave. So it's kind of like, well, that was effective. <laughs> see? And so they walk through town and no one notices the fat little cat and the tattered raven because most of the people are already inside in their New Year's celebrations, just wandering through the snow-covered streets of this. I don't know how big the town is. It, it's unclear. And they're basically like, we could ask a person for help, but like, that's not going to help us. People rarely help animals anyway, even when they notice you. They can't understand us. What are they going to do? Like, fix this? How are they going to storm the castle like a, like a Frankenstein mob? So humans can't understand the animals? No. Does the wizard understand the cat? They're magic, Daniel, so yes. So yeah, okay. They're not, they're not human. Sorry, I didn't they're realize it was specific to magic beings. I think I believe I believe I mentioned at the very, very beginning of the last episode when you were questioning whether these animals were just regular animals yeah, or not. Yeah, but that like, conversation, like, we were talking yeah. about two different things. <laughs> I was saying, yeah, I was telling you, only this, like, the cats and the animals can all stand each other and the minister, the sorcerer can understand them, but, like, no one who's not a evil wizard or magic being can understand the animals. Got it, okay. They're basically just regular animals and then people have magic to talk to them. Right. Anyway, so as they're walking... Uh, they're getting more dejected, and Mauricio eventually confesses that he does not stem from an ancient lineage of knights. His ancestors did not come from Naples. Basically, he's just a regular tomcat. He was born in a basement, you know, didn't even know who his dad was. He's very dejected about this, and it was like his life's dream to be a great singer, and he wanted to be famous to, like, bring joy and love to people through his music, and that's why he was so taken in by the sorcerer, because his sorcerer promised him the ability to fulfill his dream by, like, Pampering him and telling him what a great singer he was. And it's like, oh, I'm going to make you into a star. And he fell for you. Classic. Cat goes to Hollywood, follows for the old line of, I'm going to make you a star, ends up doing drugs and falling into a pit of despair. Yes, it's a classic story that we all know and love. Those poor cats. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of a classic story just applied to cats. <laughs> I feel bad for him. I do. And so does Jacob, who's like, I'm not angry at you for lying. I think you're a little soft. That doesn't matter. You're still all right. I, you know, you, you had a, um, a a dream. You wanted to help people. And, you know, a great artist needs to experience ups and downs. And you certainly experienced a lot of downs in your day. So, you know, <laughs> it only can go up from here. <laughs> That's not necessarily true, but let's run with that. So 
they're sort of wandering around town having this conversation. We cut back now to the Shadow Ministry Sorcerer and Tyrannia as they are preparing the potion. They are reading through the five feet worth of instructions on this scroll, and they're all in these weird codes and rhymes. And so I'm going to read for you one of the poetic stanzas that is in the potion, so you'll get a sense of what kinds of things they're expected to do. Oh, please do. So rivers four do flow through hell, darkest torturer's sacred well, the Cossetus, the Acheron, the Styx, and the Thyrophlegathon. Sorry if I pronounced all that Greek wrong, guys. <laughs> Ice, fire, poison, slime. Take a pinch of all four kinds. Shake it up over the sink. Basis for a lying drink. I like how it gets, like, really pedantic and easy at the second half of that. <laughs> yeah, no, the first half is like a bunch of Greek. I was like, do I want to read this paragraph? It's the first one, but maybe I'll skip it because those are hard words to say. <laughs> But anyway, so the, the, they're, they're taking turns basically interpreting these instructions. So, you know, the sedimentary source will say, oh, I know what that is. I need this kind of thing and that kind of thing. And then there's one about needing liquid money. So Tyrannia conjures up a bunch of liquefied money. I like the idea that this is the most difficult spell in the entire world and it has this timeline. It's like yeah, they, yeah. they wanted to make it as hard as humanly possible to get this well, spell. Well, it's like this done. super, super powerful spell. Like it literally grants anything you wish. So it's right. not going to be easy. So at this point, the narrator for the story breaks in and says, I'm not going to tell you the rest of the ingredients and the rest of the instructions from the potion because you never know when a book like this might fall into the wrong hand and they'll make this potion. I'm like, oh, book, <laughs> you got me. There's a narrator? Well, I mean, there's it's it's, it's not like a narrator, but... It's it's like a third person mm -hmm. narration, right? You know, it's this and this. So there is like a, a narration. Got it. But it's not like a person. At this point, the book breaks the fourth wall to say the rest of the instructions aren't included in this book because you never know when this book could fall into the wrong hands. Right. You wouldn't want the average person to be able to make wish-making potion. Right. The the notion potion of impossible to say this. Uh, in, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you that word at the end of this episode and make you say it at least once. <laughs> I it starts with Satan, is I'm saying. Satan, Arcalid, Hellish Notion Potion. Satan, Anarch, Alibial, Hellish Notion Potion. Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can do worse or better by saying that. <laughs> All right, so Tarania and Proboscis are wrapped up in their work. They're they're doing it. Meanwhile, Jacob and Mauricio are, are still going through town. And I, and I forgot to mention that Mauricio confessed that his name isn't Mauricio oh. Demaro. That's a name he gave himself to be more haughty. His actual name is Morris. <laughs> oh, Morris. I know, right? Poor Morris. So now from now on, they are Jacob and Morris. Oh, but adventure I like Mauricio. <laughs> Sounds like an opera singer. Now that's why he picked it, exactly. Yeah. I'm supporting his dreams. It's like Cat yes. Stone Dance, but with opera. Cat Stone Dance is basically the exact same story. Cat goes to Hollywood, <laughs> falls into drugs and disrepute. Okay, then none of that happens in Cat Stone Dance. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it does. I mean, there's like so many drugs. And doesn't he like end up stripping while crying for a producer? Or is that a different movie? <laughs> oh my gosh, don't ruin Cat Stone Dance. What's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. All right, uh, back to this book. <laughs> Jacob and Morris are wandering through town, and they end up at the foot of a cathedral, dejected. Their plan is nonsense, in that they, they no don't plan, have Danielle. a their plan. plan was, yeah, no. Their plan was, nobody in this book can make a plan, Danielle. <laughs> the evil people, I mean, they, for fair, the evil people, they made a plan. They just made it at the last possible moment. Like, I so, don't, why don't they at least go back to where, do they even know where they're doing the potion? Yeah, they know exactly where the potion's being made. Then it's why being would they the, not go the, try to stop that or something? Because they, if they go, they, they don't have the power to stop Stop them like in a in a full frontal assault. They should like, just they like that, run through and knock just over all them. the things. They're cat 
cats and birds. They could create a lot of chaos in like 10 seconds. Uh, maybe, but like then they'd just be killed and then they would just start over, hopefully. But they should die for their animal emporium. I don't remember the name of what the group was. The High Council? How's High <laughs> Council to escape you? I don't know why I can't remember that. <laughs> Okay, whatever. The point is, Danielle, is that they are not convinced they could stop them because, again, super powerful magic beans. Sure. And even if they could, there's no guarantee that if they tipped over the potion or whatever, they wouldn't just start over and make another one. I still think they should get all the animals together and just rush the house. They can't even find any animals in the town they're in right now. How are they going to find a bunch of animals? Like, oh, there's yeah, not a single we organize cat a whole army dog. in three hours, Danielle. There's no single cat, dog, or bird in the entire town. It's the middle of night on a snowy night. They're all like in shelter sometimes. There are, there are night animals. <laughs> there are night animals, Danielle, but they're not out and about. What about the rats or something? Come on. Sure, yeah, okay. Danielle, I think you are grossly overestimating how much time and coordination they have. Yeah, clearly. They convince these things like, hey, are you part of the high council? No. Well, just listen to me. Trust me. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, they didn't even trust each other when they first met, and they're on the same team, literally, from the high council. That's because the cat was dumb. Anyway, moving on. And the on. bird didn't trust the cat anyway, because the bird's like, oh, it's a bird eater. So, you know. That's a fair point. It's not like this is a kumbaya harmonious council. It's like, this is a council of necessity. Yes. Okay, continue. The planless are walking around, doing nothing. So they're sitting on the steps of the cathedral. Jacob suddenly goes, wait a minute. Church bells, cathedral bells, Eureka! Like, he's like, he has his Sherlock Holmes of course. moment. Yeah. Had to come eventually since they didn't have a plan. So Jacob's like, here's what we're going to do. Oh, no, wait, wait, it won't work. My idea was to ring the cathedral bells now to effectively end the reversing power of the potion. What? Why would it? I mean, I get that it's ring the bell time, etc., but it's not like real time. So Jacob was thinking that if they could ring the New Year's bells a little early, the first stroke of New Year's bell would end the reversing potion. But here's the problem is that, at least one of the problems is that Jacob's like, they'll hear it. They'll hear the bell being rung. And so they'll know, and they'll just wish for everything to be the way, like they won't have to do the backwards reverse. They'll just wish it normal and it still won't solve any problems. Yes. So. Does everything relate time related to the church bell? Like, wouldn't it just... Why well, would it that, matter I mean, if the bell rang early or late? That's something that comes up later, okay. actually. <laughs> I mean, for right now, they're concerned about the fact that they would hear it. But Mauricio's like, you know what? That sounds like a good plan anyway. I'm going to do this. And Jacob's like, uh, no. Even if you could get up there, how are you going to ring the bell? They're, they're big and heavy. And he's like, well, you know, just we'll pull the rope. Like, they're not done by ropes. They're might push buttons. Like, even better, we'll just push the buttons. <laughs> and no matter what he says, Jacob cannot dissuade Mauricio or I'd say Morris, from climbing the church. And he starts climbing up the surface of the church face, like straight up the wall because the doors are locked. And he's like, I'm doing this. He is hell-bent on climbing the cathedral to ring the bells, even though they know it's a plan that won't work. Okay, sure. <laughs> and Mauricio, or Morris is having a really hard time because he is sick from all of the toxic waste. Oh, yeah, that comes back into play. <laughs> He's still drugged. Jacob is ill. And they're just having a really bad time climbing up the church face or the cathedral face. I don't understand why they're so committed to this plan that's not going to work. You know what? Mauricio suddenly had like a flash of noble heroism or something. He was like, I'm going to do it anyway, even if it doesn't work. I have to try something. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's better than their plan they had before, which was uh, no plan. That's true, I guess. But <laughs> is it better than a plan with no plan if it doesn't work? Plan. I mean, there's a chance it'll work. Maybe they won't hear it when they have headphones on or something. I don't know. They have headphones on? <laughs> I said, may they don't know that. Maybe they'll be too busy playing the pipe organ are there, okay, to hear the bell. Okay, that's more likely because are there headphones in the society? It feels like it's old. <laughs> 
This was written in 1989. I don't know when it actually takes place. It just seems like has that vibe of old stuff. <laughs> it does, but I think it takes place in modern world because it talks about things like toxic waste and, and you know, electricity true, and things like that. Yeah. So they're making the notion potion still. We're back to Tyrannia and Preposteror. And it was far from being a notion potion still. For this to occur, it first had to be magicalized, quote unquote. Okay. So in other words, it had to go through an entire series of processes which would render it capable of receiving the true dark powers of magic within its bosom. So thank you, book, for explaining what magicalized means. <laughs> had to make it magic so that it would work. Right. So you had to ma- no, not just make it magic. You had to make it able to become magic. That's true. That's what magicalized means. That's what he said. <laughs> so Preposterous is like turning on all these like magic computers, which he had linked up to the Hellish Computer Center, which awesome. How do I get me uh, a, a link to that? <laughs> See, it is modern day. He's basically using like Satan's cloud to uh, the hell cloud computers to do his work right now, which is like very forward thinking for 1989, 1990. Yeah, like, that's impressive. Yeah. So Michael N predicted the cloud before it was a thing and used it for evil. Well, did we yeah. expect anything less from the writer of the never ending story? <laughs> to be fair, the cloud is pretty much used for evil all the time. So that's true. Here we are. Prescient. So at one point, he has to construct an anti-gravity field so that he can, I don't know, like lift the potion out of the bowl and shoot it with all these weird particles <laughs> from every angle. And they're all floating around the, the lab, hidden in Tarania. This is wild. And then at one point, they're doing something and the potion comes alive like a giant amoeba and chases them around the room for a while, <laughs> which is pretty funny. So they're just having a grand old time making this potion, and they're struggling to do it, but they're making their way through despite all the weird setbacks. Basically, this is just to establish that while Morris and Jacob are off doing their thing, Preposter and Tranny are busy and preoccupied. The way you're describing that visually, it's you could imagine that in a cartoon or a movie where it keeps flashing between the cat climbing the tower and... Oh, like yeah. the weird scenes with the wizard and his aunt and they're like being chased by an amoeba or they're like <laughs> floating in the air or whatever crazy stuff's going on. Yeah, that, that's pretty much what's going on in this book is it's doing these rapid, like every chapter is alternating between the scene of the cat and the raven out in the gray snow desperately struggling to climb the facade of this cathedral and these wacky antics of these evil wizards. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of actually, Morris is climbing the facade and Jacob is sort of like telling him this is a terrible idea. What are you doing? This is dumb. Stop climbing. It's not going to work. They're going to hear the bells anyway. All these sorts of things. And Morris is just not listening. And he's slipping and he's sliding and Jacob's trying to have to like prop him up to keep him from from falling to his death. And they're both just getting completely worn out. Like the toxic sludge has made them super sick and they're barely making it up this. It's like a super perilous journey. Does this toxic sludge stuff like, aside from making them tired, does it play any actual role in this? I mean, besides from being, like, one of the many things that is damaging these creatures, not really. I mean, like, Morris already is being drugged and, and bespelled, so to speak. Right. And Jacob was never in great condition to begin with, and so it only, this has only made him worse. So now they're, like, even weaker than they were at the beginning of the book. It just seems like such a random thing to add into your story. I suppose. I think what Michael M. was doing, at least from my understanding, and, and it's a little bit more obvious in the text is he's showing the animals deteriorate over time. Mm-hmm. So as, as the story goes on, they're just getting weaker and weaker. So it's more of a struggle with every chapter for them to continue this task of, of fighting off these super powerful wizards. Got it. Okay. So it's like they have their own clock. Like the wizards have the clock of midnight and they have their own clock, which is before they drop dead. 
from their own weakness, which is a much more, you know, grim clock, honestly. <laughs> Hopefully they don't die at the end of the story. Spoilers, kids. <laughs> well, no promises. Oh, no. Why would you tell me a story where cats and birds die? <laughs> Let's just say, let's just see what happens, Danielle. We don't know. So Morris is climbing, and so to give, just to sort of illustrate the struggle is Jacob is, you know, telling him this is terrible. You're not going to be able to climb back down when you get up there. This is futile, and it goes. But Morris wasn't listening. He felt much too sick and exhausted to follow such complicated trains of thought. He knew only one thing: it was just as far to the top now as it was to the bottom. So <laughs> That's a fair point. He's I like, guess. Well, yeah, I'm up here already. I, I just can't. It's like a mania almost has taken over him. Like he's not thinking logically. He's just like, I have an idea in my head. I I can't think of anything else. I'm just going to do it. And he gets stuck up on a gargoyle for a little while and almost falls to his death. I love gargoyles as a side note. Well, gargoyles <laughs> are very pretty. And uh, the cartoon uh, was also pretty good. Yeah, the cartoon is pretty good. I wouldn't call gargoyles necessarily pretty. I mean, they're very art. interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, pr- I guess pretty is in the right word, but they are aesthetic. Aesthetically interesting. Yeah. I enjoy them as well. Anyway, continue on. Sorry, I got sidetracked by the mention of gargoyles, my mind went to uh, trips and 90s cartoons. <laughs> well, that's normally what your thing does anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's all my brain goes to is uh, traveling and 90s cartoons. Pretty much. <laughs> So anyway, we cut back to our, our wizard friends. And this is where Tyrannia starts using her gibber witch powers. I'm just going to read for you a sentence of the gibber witch just because it is nonsense and it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. If you're the boss, take hobgoblin flaw, spun from three fairies so hostile, puff in a glass, the billowing gas through two ecstatical nostrils. Yeah, sure. I'm glad she understands it. That's helpful. So they just start conjuring. Lots of magic is happening. Blah, blah, blah. It's actually kind of an interesting scene to like read, but it's not very weird or funny. It's just kind of like, oh, that's kind of an interesting aesthetic they have going on. Mm-hmm. And then it gets kind of gross where they're, they're just conjuring crazy stuff. And then a gray cloud floats in with a skeleton of a dog hanging out of it by the tail. <laughs> and the skeleton bones then change into glowing snakes and twine themselves like a ball of wool and roll across the floor. And then like a giant blue bed bug is being ridden by the witch. And she has a race with Preposteror who is riding a big yellow scorpion. And they're just sort of riding around the lab having a little race for fun. <laughs> as, as you do. <laughs> like, it's, just, it's just like chaos. Basically, this whole thing is there's a chaos magic going on. And the illustration is pretty good. I gotta say, the illustration of the book is pretty excellent, but I would just love to see that like animated or something because it sounds insane. It sounds like it's of like heavy metal. I know the cartoon is a bit different than the book, but is it in the cartoon? No, absolutely not. Not at least, I mean, I didn't watch it at all. The cartoon seems to be a from the, you know, five minutes or so I watched of it on, on YouTube, a standard like, oh, every episode is individual. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, oh, there's like a problem they cause. They have seven hours to Got fix it. it. Then they fix it. and Everything's returned back to normal at the end. Do you think the author like sat down and just wrote a bunch like, the first scene I'm going to show is XYZ. No, and he was second. dead by the time they made the uh No, I'm cartoon. talking about not front. I'm talking about in the book, Sam. Oh, okay. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like right. it just seems to be scene after scene after scene of things going awry or doing uh, going weirdly or whatever. Do you think he just like made this like 20 page list of like weird stuff that could happen in the lab <laughs> i only hope so because i would love to see that full list like if it didn't include it all in the book i would love to see like oh this was too weird for this book <laughs> <laughs> he's like amoeba check blue gaseous things check riding crazy with a scorpion and, check. yeah no <laughs> look say what you want about michael end but he certainly has no lack of imagination that is certainly true 100 points to michael end yeah absolutely so the very last thing they have to do for the potion is um something else? <laughs> oh, that description is fabulous. Weird. Thank they you. They have Sam. to do like 
some special magic thing to it. It's I, I don't remember exactly what the procedure was, but the important point is they can't do it in our world. They have to go out to the fourth dimension and do it there. Like all nonsense. Yeah, absolute nonsense. They have to go to the fourth dimension and they have to do it there and they have to like, and Prosser's like, oh, this is going to be dangerous because if you go too far, you'll you'll never find your way back. If you go too little, you'll be stuck in the as like a two-dimensional person. <laughs> if you go Second too far, dimension. you've made it to the fifth dimension. <laughs> If you go backward backs and you're in the second dimension, then you're stuck in Flatland or something. Forever. And that's not good. Yeah, nobody wants to be in Flatland. Isn't there a book about the second dimension? That's a book called Flatland, Danielle. <laughs> See, <laughs> I was right on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a social commentary that is very sexist because <laughs> it was written in like 1906 or something. <laughs> but I did remember it existed, apparently. Yeah, I think it was Edwin A. Abbott wrote it. So it's actually pretty fun. Uh, there's a sequel called Sphereland, which incorporates Einsteinian concepts of space-time and corrects a lot of the sexism, which is a good companion novel for Flatland, if you haven't read that yet. I bet you a million dollars I know about Flatland because you mentioned it to me many years ago. <laughs> oh, that's a distinct possibility. It's not a bad book. In Sphereland makes some pretty fun reading, and they're not very long. There we go. Sam's recommendation of the week, everybody. Uh, I mean, like... I don't know if I'd recommend it because, again, there are some really terrible ideas in Flatland where women are lines and are forced to walk backwards lest they puncture the other shapes, which are men. <laughs> and they have no social standing at all. Oh, man. And they have to make a little alarm noise while they walk like, wee So they have to be like heard so people can get out of their way. It's it's wild, Danielle. It's not good. It's, it's really not good. We get into some great stuff on this podcast. <laughs> it's a book about rigid rigid classism and how that's a stupid idea, but then it puts women in a rigid class place. I'm not sure it exactly <laughs> does anything good with that it, concept. It didn't quite like, oh, understand its own self. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, <laughs> really? <laughs> Sounds like it's worth anyway, a read, though, just for humor value. It is. And again, I, I find Spherland actually is a pretty good description of curved space-time in taking four-dimensional curvatures and putting in three dimensions, and it's pretty fun. All right. Anyway, so, yeah. so there is a yeah. fourth potential fourth dimension. Anyway, so there's <laughs> wizards. Wizards. Talk about wizards here, Daniel. Sorcerers, I <laughs> and guess. Sorcerers sexism. and the witch. Well, I mean, there was a little bit. Jacob Scribble is kind of sexist yeah, in this book. That's, that's fair. And so Tarani is a little suspicious of Preposterous because she's like, maybe he's going to give me the wrong dose on purpose because now that we're almost done with the potion, he doesn't really need me anymore. So maybe he will purposely dose me wrong so that I will go to the wrong dimension and he'll be rid of me and have the whole potion to himself. <laughs> and he's like, oh, don't worry about it. Not, I still need you. And she's like, all right, fine. But like – they're still clear. They're they still both planning to backstab the other one just as soon as possible. Which is so stupid. Like, get through this first and then backstab each other. I know. But again, it's like a frog in the scorpion kind of thing. It's just their nature to immediately find any advantage they can and take it, even if it is, you know, a self-harming one. Or a scorpion and a bed bug kind of thing. <laughs> just, oh. <I'm> sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a yeah, I, the, the proportions are way wrong though, <laughs> for that one. Also, I don't think the scorpion can swim like what's the bed bug gonna do ride the scorpion over the water and they both drown um can the bed bug curl up in a little ball and like float yeah but then the scorpion can't ride on top of it unless it's a tiny tiny scorpion but what if it just runs so fast that it's able to tread on top of the water the, the like the jesus lizards <laughs> yes but jesus no. scorpions <laughs> no nope 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 not how? even on easter daniel okay i don't want those to exist but how do you know <laughs> Because they don't have the right – they need surface area on their feet. Like, it's a insect. wizard scorpion. Sam, he's riding a scorpion. 
How do you know it oh, can't no, tread no, on I'm water? About, no, no, though. Okay, the wizard scorpion, sure, it's giant. But like actual scorpion and dead bug story wouldn't make any sense if it was a, it was a fable, if it was an Aesop's fable. I know. It was a reference to the scorpion and the bed bug they were writing. Okay. All right. Sure, Daniel. You, I'm sure our listeners were way ahead of you. <laughs> oh, that probably. Or they were equally as confused. Either way. <laughs> well, now they're caught up to you. So either you were on Danielle's side in that conversation or you were on Sam's side. This is the time to check yourself and see. Why do you have to have sides? Why can't we just have a conversation without it being a competition, in that Danielle? I didn't say it was a competition. I meant you well, either, either understood with me or you're the... me in this conversation. Like, so no. I, meant, I meant you either understood Danielle's line of thinking or you understood Sam's line of thinking, and there was probably okay. nobody that was in between. You know, if there was Danielle, I'd love to hear from them. I'd love to hear what they were thinking. <laughs> they could resolve our, all of our arguments. I mean, we bring them as a mediator. Anyway, <laughs> this is completely pointless and uh, probably not interesting. So let's, let's go on to the book that is, I don't know, pointless in the sense that all stories are pointless, but also more enjoyable. I think in the great scheme of. Of living, all things are pointless. Yeah, nihilism for today. <laughs> we always have a nihilism of the day. Should be a moment. Should <laughs> add it into like, the podcast. <laughs> here is your moment of calm and tranquility, and your your moment of nihilism for today. <laughs> you don't matter. All right. <laughs> Ouch! I did not say that, everybody. <laughs> That's what nihilism says. You mean nobody matters. <laughs> I didn't say it was right. I'm just saying, we're going to have a nihilism moment for the day. That's what it would basically be. <laughs> we can retie it into the media that we're talking about. All right. Seriously, though, there's a book here. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Fourth dimension. <laughs> they they go there and they do their thing. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> okay. the, the chapter sort of ends with them you know, popping off into the fourth dimension. We'd actually see them in the fourth dimension because that'd shame. be wild. That's reserved for Flatland and or Sphereland. <laughs> Moving on. So uh, Morris is about to make it to the top of the steeple into the bell tower of the cathedral. (laughs) Yeah, they're still here. (laughs) Jacob is super impressed, like he's really going to make it. And then Jacob says, okay, you made it this far, but it's still pointless because even if we ring them now, then it won't be the New Year's bells, but just any old sound. The bells aren't important thing. The important thing is that they must be the first stroke of 12. Like, yeah, okay, sure. Time doesn't work that way. So their whole sojourn was doubly pointless. Which is what I said. Like, you can't bring about time by ringing a bell. Or at least in most realities. So this whole plan of theirs is nonsense. They know that there are several fatal flaws with this plan, but apparently Morris just got the notion in his head and would not be dissuaded. He tumbles in through the window into the bell tower and then promptly faints. Oh, poor Morris. He is too sick and too tired to stay conscious. I feel bad for him. Jacob also faints alongside of him as he's helping to push him into the into the window and also they just faint together. I don't feel as bad for Jacob though. I don't know. He he had a pretty hard time going up there too, keeping Morris from falling to his death. I know, but not that. Talking about like in a general sense, character wise. That's okay, that's fair. He's a little (laughs) bit more gruff and and less uh, lovable. So what he actually says is he hops down to poor little Morris and he goes, are you dead? I've got a hand to you, Kitty. You may not have had an awful lot of brains, but you are still a hero somehow. <laughs> I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> I mean, yes, I'm sure he was very heroic to do this, but he didn't accomplish anything no. besides climbing a bell tower to no end. <laughs> that seems like a line towards the end of the book, not at the beginning right. of the non-plan. Yeah. And then he passes out. <laughs> And they and they get buried in snow. So, you know, they're dead. I thought they were in... Are they inside the tower? I mean, the window is open still and it's snowing. So it's blowing in through the window. That's a lot of snow inside of a window. I mean, they're very small animals, Daniel. I guess. So, back to... Madam Witch and Mr. Sorcerer, the potion is pretty much done. According to the very last instruction, they need to only wait until the liquid is completely settled and all the sediment dissolved. But here is the trick. They must not think 
or ask a single question. Like their brains have to be completely devoid of questions oh, or they will ruin the whole potion. Can you imagine trying to do that? No, it is extremely difficult. And So what they're doing is the shadow sorcerer is quietly reciting all the poems he had learned in his kindergarten days. Yeah, I'd like sing a song or something because there's no yeah. way. Uh, actually, they call it Kinder Desert Days, which is Kinder Desert is but kindergarten is for evil sorcerers. Again, I think that must be a German <laughs> pun that doesn't quite make the translation jump because kinder desert doesn't sound particularly evil in English. <laughs> it just sounds like you're going to kindergarten in a desert. Or like kinder, what does kinder mean? New? Kid. Kinder means like child. Kid, child, like, like the, that's kind of my concept. Like anyway. a kid. <laughs> so it means kid like desert? Child desert. Child yeah. desert. <laughs> doesn't quite work. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sure – I'd love to hear the German pun that this originated from. Someone could explain it to me. Again, I'd appreciate that. And he's basically going through all these little weird poems that are kind of funny. Like, these are the kind of things that kids would like latch onto and love. So things like, I'm a little monster swine and stink and snort and snigger. I want to be a little pain until I get much bigger. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, they kind of remind me of like the poems from Alice in Wonderland, which are kind of weird and, and, and crass. Uh-huh. So yeah, I'm like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, they're, they're great. There's a whole page of them here. I won't, I won't read them all because, again, this is not a book on tape, but maybe you can investigate yourself if you're so inclined. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tarania is just doing sums. So she's saying like, how much uh, a single crown deposited in a savings account at 6% interest and the year zero would have accumulated in combined interest up to the present day, assuming, of course, that the bank still existed. And it actually puts an equation in the book, and I have no idea if that equation is a correct equation for compound interest. Is that considered a question? Uh, no, because she's just doing the sum. She's just like, okay, put in here, add it together, add it together. She's just doing the math. Okay. She's not actually I trying to ask the I was curious she... how specific this was because, yeah. I mean, technically, you know, what's two plus two for? So yeah. that's kind of a question. <laughs> but it's, just, it's more like just like saying, you know, it's like doing two plus two is four, four plus four is eight, eight plus eight is 16. So like doing that, that's not a question. Yeah, but sometimes, you know, magic's tricky. Well, apparently she knows what she's doing enough. Okay. And... They're getting kind of desperate, and they're, they're just struggling, and just at the very last second, the witch is about to think of a question, and Preposter just slaps her, full-on, belts her across the face. He just knows. Well, she's like saying, oh, I got my calculation mixed up, I'm going to think of, and she's like, wham, slaps her before she has a chance to. So they're thinking out loud? Well, no, she says that while... She okay. just says that. Got it. They make a lot of cool points about, I can't go much longer, and neither can I. Uh. How long do they have to do it again? It doesn't say. Just until the potion completely settles out, all the sediment dissolves. Gosh, that'd be so hard. Yeah, it'd be Good extremely job difficult. Good them. Well, so after he slaps her, she gets ticked off at him, and, and they start fighting back and forth, like just punching and, and tearing at each other, just long enough, that distracts him just long enough for the potion to settle and everything to be just right. Oh, good. They should have just fought so the entire time. That probably would have worked, too. I mean, who knows? Maybe they would have hurt themselves. <laughs> so, they're all really leave they're ready but then he's like all right well done time for the backstabbing <laughs> and so we'll see how that works out in the future oh my gosh seriously now these people again their nature is to be as backstabby as possible i, I understand <laughs> that but like sometimes in life you have to put aside your natural instincts and work with somebody that you would rather not work with <laughs> I mean, people who take the easy way out and sign deals with the devil to get magic power probably aren't the people with the strongest willpower or rational thinking in the first place. Sure, but you also have to maintain that stability so that you can keep... I mean, the whole premise is flawed because he already didn't do all his stuff that he was supposed to do just to remain in power. So clearly he has issues to begin with. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Again, Danielle, I I appreciate that (sighs) if this was a real situation, but again... 
I have been in situations where people like this is a prisoner's dilemma situation, Danielle, where people just won't get along. Yes, I, I do understand that that happens in real life too. But oh, come on, be better, people. <laughs> yes, be your best evil self. <laughs> yes, do that. <laughs> be your best evil self. <laughs> but yes, no, yes, Danielle, and Danielle, be be as evil as you can. You know, work on your evil self. <laughs> To tackling. All right. So we're back to the cat and the raven. They're in the tower being buried in snow and they're slowly gaining consciousness. And while they're doing it, they see that one of these stone figurines had come to life and is gazing down at them. One of the gargoyles? Not the gargoyles, like a stone figure of like a saint oh, or something. okay. Not as exciting. Not as exciting as a gargoyle, no. <laughs> <laughs> the saint's actually, is it like an angel saint? Because that reminds me of Doctor Who and that's freaky. No, it's like, a, it's like an actual carving of a saint, not an angel. Okay. I feel better. Good. Continue on. <laughs> anyway, so Noah looks like stone, looks like a person with you know watery blue eyes. Kind of, it's described as kind of like Saint Nicholas, but you know not fat and not a beard. Okay. So he's like a delicate old man in a long coat of gold brocade, and the shoulders of which were heaped with snow because he had been outside as a statue for a while. Yeah, as one is. And so he raises his hand and he basically paralyzes Jacob and Morris. Like they can't move, they can't speak. And he's like, well, you two scamps, what are you doing up here? And of course they can answer him. And he's just going on like, well, I know what you're up to. You shouted loud enough while you were bouncing up here. You want to swipe my beautiful New Year's chimes. You want to steal my bells. (laughs) Now that's very nice of you. I've got nothing against a good joke. I'm Father New Year. But what you two are up to is not a good joke. It's a bad joke. And on and on and on. He's like, explain yourself. Why don't you talking. He's like, oh, wait, I have you guys paralyzed. I should undo that before you can say anything. So then he unparalyzes them and the two heroes, quote unquote, Jacob and Morris, start explaining like what they're doing one after the other, what's going on. Meanwhile, back in the Villa Nightmare, it is 10 o'clock. So we're getting on close to midnight, two hours left. Preposteror and Terrania have the exact same thought while they're relaxing to take advantage of the situation to attack the other. So they have two hours left. And they're relaxing. They're taking a few minute break. Like after they had to spend all that effort to not think of a question, like, okay, I can finally think of some questions. Give me a minute. Okay. And in that minute of reprieve is when they both decide to attack the other at the same time. (laughs) They deserve whatever terrible things happen to them. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And so what they do is are both trying to paralyze each other with their like magic at the same time. They lock eyes with each other. And it's a battle of mental power, basically a mental battle. Do not have time for this nonsense. They do not. They do not because they've, (laughs) they've trapped themselves in this situation because the second either one of them looks away, the one who looks away is going to be turned to stone. It's basically a staring contest. (laughs) They've gotten themselves into a life or death staring contest. I'm real bad at those, everybody. Yeah, no, it's bad. And they're completely matched. There's no going back. They're just sort of stuck there. And they might be stuck there forever is the problem. I would die. So that's not great. And so we leave them sharing at each other. We go back to Jacob and Morris in the tower talking to Father New Year. And he's like, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry I uh, spoke so badly of you. Clearly, you're trying to stop a great evil from happening. Mm-hmm. So what can we do to help? No, we. There's more. Well, I mean, he speaks about himself. Like, what can I do to help you to you guys? Okay. So Morris says to him, maybe you could ring the bells? You know, just like maybe even one bell now to sort of do the magic. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way because time. <laughs> because I, everything time. has to be proper time and space. The end of the old year as well as the beginning of the new one. You can't just change things willfully or else everything goes topsy-turvy and so on and so forth. 
That makes sense. You know, then he starts waxing poetical about evil. He goes, what is evil anyway? And why does it have to exist? We have occasional debates about the subject up yonder, but it is truly a great mystery, even for the likes of us. And I'm like, wait a minute. This goes back to what Jacob said earlier. If there are forces of evil literally destroying the world, (laughs) why isn't any of the powers that clearly exist and can physically manifest in our world doing anything to help? Like, they're just letting the animal kite council handle everything by themselves. Like, yeah, they'll be fine. (laughs) All those animals that don't know what they're doing. (laughs) So the argument we had last time about, like, evil always has, like, a direct line to influence our world and the good powers, divine powers, just sort of sit back and do nothing is nonsense. Like, obviously they do it so the heroes can have something to do because if, you know, the magical beings just snap their fingers and solve the problems, it wouldn't be much of a story. But it still seems like they're very negligent. You'd like to read a book at one point where the god characters, god-like characters, are just like, eh, I don't want to. <laughs> it's good or for like, the story. It'll be fun to watch. Come on, everybody. <laughs> well, that's basically Greek myths, but... <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's because they're uppity. Yeah, I know. But also, I'd, I'd even love it if it was like a two-page book where it's like, the great evil powers reach... Oh, wait, nope. You know, the great divine be to snap their fingers and like, I, I defeated you once before and, and created this world, so let me just you know, fix this problem. Okay, done. <laughs> the end. No need for a hero to struggle valiantly. We'll just solve the problem. They're always trying to make humans grow or something. Yeah. So then he goes on, like, I love reading the philosophy of this because Creepy is like, okay, evil can never completely defeat good because for evil is defined as opposition to good, but only good is eternal for good contains itself without contradiction. I'm like, okay, this guy's just talking nonsense. <laughs> I don't know what's going and then Jacob's like, hey, yo, uh, we got real problems here. We don't have time for all this this, this philosophy. Maybe that's why they always hold off, because they just have no sense of actual urgency or time. Possibly. And Jacob's like, hey, can you give me a miracle? And the guy's like, you can't just make miracle. It's not that easy. <laughs> you have to have all the paperwork. And I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> so not only is it that they don't do anything, it's like a Kafka-esque nightmare of paperwork <laughs> to get anything done. Like, no wonder evil has, like, the streamlined access to our world to cause mayhem. They're the so. do first ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Oops, I killed all the humans. Yeah, so, something like that. <laughs> it's like, well, good job. Yay. I imagine paperwork in hell is not so important. No, I don't like so either. So finally, Father New Year is like, okay, I, I guess I could spare you a single note for my New Year's concert. And so he does this, he strokes the bell and he pulls out like an ice cube that contains the note in it. So it's like a condensation of the sound of the bell ringing. That's kind of interesting. And they're like, wait a minute, didn't we just establish you have to ring the bell at the right time? He's like, look, I'm magic. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saying like, there is no before and after and cause and effect do not follow one another either, but form a permanent unity. So he's basically like saying, look, I've taken the bell from the future, the ring of the bell from the future and brought it back to the present and you can use it now, but it won't ring in the future because I've, you know, because I've taken it out of the future to the present or something. Okay. Either way, very convenient <laughs> that he's basically given them a physical manifestation of a bell ringing in the future that they can use now <laughs> as, as form of an ice cube. And so then he gives the, the ice cube to Jacob, who takes it in his mouth, and then He's like, well, I got to get you back to the Villa Nightmare or wherever you have to go until he says, oh, you'll travel at the speed of sound. And he like does like a magic thing and like a magic whirlwind transports Jacob and Morris back to the room instantly, saving them the trip of having to go back. That's good. <laughs> so the ice cube thing is in his mouth. Is it mm-hmm. like a melting ice cube? No. Just a magic ice cube? Yeah, it looks like an ice cube, but it's actually like the, the sound, sound in physical okay. form. Okay. Just want to make sure it wasn't going to melt on them. You never know. In this you book. never know. That's a good question. <laughs> <Yeah>. Also... <laughs> 
This is I just want to, I just want to pick apart their plan just briefly. Their plan was no plan. <laughs> Randomly stumble into a cathedral where a saint who is Father New Year appears every year to witness the New Year celebration in this town of all places every year, <laughs> happens to find them and gives them a magic ice cube bell from the future. And somehow that just works out for them. Like, this is the luckiest cat and raven plan ever. Like, that should not have worked. So, yeah, it should not have. The the bell sound that he gave him is, is it the New Year one? The first? It's one of the bells from the New Year's. This is one of the bells that's going to ring during the New Year's concert. I've taken it from the future and, given it and condensed it in a physical form for you now. So if they did it, like, right now, then none of the wishes would come true. Well, they would all come true. They'd just become true literally, not reversed. Right, but they haven't made any wishes yet. Well, so their plan is to slip it into the potion as soon as possible to neutralize its reversing effect without the witch or the wizard noticing. So then, then when they, they can then do all their wishing that they want. Think they're wishing evil things, but all the evil things they're wishing have to be reversed. So they're actually wishing for good things. Things, and they'll think they're doing evil things, but they're actually doing really good things. They won't know it, so they'll just make it all happen, and there'll be no resistance. I mean, that's a good plan, but w- it's a good plan. how do you how do you get the bell to ring? You just drop the ice cube in the in the pot, basically. You couldn't put it in like a pot of boiling water and just ring it right now and make all of them null and void. I think they, if they did that, they would hear it. So they want to do it in a way they can't hear it by slipping it secretly into the potion. Why would it? Why would it be heard in a pot of water, but not the potion? I mean, you can't just put it in a pot of water next to you. Like, I think, oh, no, no, Danielle. The point is, it has to go in the potion. It has to go in the potion. It has to. Like, that's like the rule. That's the plan. Put it in the potion. Because it, it's not, it actually, you'll see in a moment what happens with this. I mean, that's the plan, but is it the requirement of the little cube? I think so, yeah. How else? Like, there's no other way to make it ring except by putting it in the potion. Not without making it super obvious. But would it, would it matter if it suddenly went off? Because then the whole point is the witch and the wizard can't know that anything is wrong. But they would, but they it would still trigger the future or whatever, right? It's not like a fake future. What so is the talk? It's like <laughs> okay, Terminator so levels of confusion. So once it goes, once it goes, the once it rings, the spells are reversed, right? Right. Yes. Okay. So it doesn't matter when it rings between now and midnight. The spells will be it does. reversed. It has to be. So it, it has to be done now before. I, I see what you're saying, Danielle. Uh huh. But it has to be done. Uh, they can wish now and then slip it in later, maybe. But I just don't understand why it would matter. Like if the once the bell rings, uh-huh. the issue is over. Like all the spells, any spells that have been cast are reversed. Like why would you just not make it ring right the second if it doesn't have to go in the potion? Well, I mean, it has to go in the potion. That's what I've gotten from this. It's an ice cube. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, I, I, well, like I'm, I'm on your side. If the you actual... can't just ring the bell where they'll hear it for one. I don't understand why it. they can't hear it because what does it matter? It's it. it makes if the... they hear it, they'll know it's been nullified. They'll just wish evil things. So they still have the time after the bell to keep wishing. All the bell does is cancel out the reversing effect of the potion. Okay, so it doesn't actually like bring it to midnight. No. Okay. It just says, hey, even if after midnight they can still keep wishing, they just can't wish in reverse. Got it. I got it. Sorry, I didn't understand that portion of the plan, clearly. I mean, I, again, that was probably in the first section, which you do not remember at all. But the <laughs> point was, as I said in the very first uh, part of this, is that at midnight, everything that is wished for, if they don't finish it by midnight, everything they wish for will become literally true, not reversed right, true. Right, but I was wondering if the bell, like, put it to midnight. So if... The bell doesn't change time. Right, that's what I was curious, if the bell somehow 
Reflect. It's just a bell that's been brought back in time. It's like, you're, it's all it is. So it'll reverse it, but they still have till midnight to keep wishing. That's what my confusion was. But even they, they, they even have past midnight to keep wishing. All of, like, again, even if they waited until midnight to start wishing with the potion, they could just wish literal things happening. All, all, all the midnight bells do is can't out the reversing effect. But I thought that they had to finish all of their drink and potion by midnight. Yes. Otherwise, everything they wish for would come true literally, not in reverse. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so, okay. It was so complicated about this, Danielle. It's a no, potion that I grants under- what you wish. Reverse. What you wish for. I get that. But until I didn't- if you don't finish it by midnight, the reversing effect gets reversed. So what stops so them? No longer. So what stops them from just like wishing whatever they want, and then all the yeah. good stuff happens, and then they just wish the normal wishes after the midnight bells, like the so cancel out. Anytime the, the bell happens, it reverses every wish. So even the ones you made in the past. Sure. So say like uh, you wish before the bell. I want, I don't want world domination because you want world domination. And yeah. then the bell reverses it. And then what's and so stop- you don't get world. So you don't get that. You don't get that. Right. But this right after the bells ring, you can continue wishing, correct? Sure. So why wouldn't yeah. you just say, I want world domination? Because their whole plan is they want to do all this with the witnesses to pretend they're good. Also, at midnight, they're getting repossessed. Right. Because all their bad deeds have to be done before midnight. Sure. Otherwise, they're out of time with. with okay. Help. Okay. I'm on board. Whatever. Let's go. <laughs> Look, Danielle, they're at the stroke of midnight, they're getting repossessed. So, regardless of whether the wishing can keep going after midnight or not, they don't have any time after midnight to do anything. Right. Unless if all their, their deeds wishes. aren't completed by midnight, they've in violation of their contract. Okay. Sorry, there's a lot of things to remember in this book. <laughs> there really are, Danielle. <laughs> there are. There are just a lot of catches. And so, yes. and I didn't realize they could continue keep wishing past midnight. I thought they had to keep, I thought they had to do all their wishes and drink all their potion by midnight. They have to complete by midnight because of their contracts. Otherwise, anything they do in the new year doesn't count towards fulfilling their old quota. Right. Okay. So, you can cut some of that. Sorry. <laughs> I can cut a lot of that. <laughs> It'll help me moving forward. I sort of understand. Continue. So, Cat and Raven back in the room. <laughs> and meanwhile, Tarania and Preposterer are locked in their battle of wills. And as Preposterer is spending more and more of his mental energy to fight Tarania and vice versa, he's losing control over his magical items in his, in his home. Like the hypnotized dwarves and sprites and fairies and elementals in his museum. Remember all those things in jars that he yes. trapped? Those start becoming unhypnotized as his power is being diverted from keeping them in line to fighting his aunt. So he's had to use his power like continuously to keep all the stuff in check. Yeah, like they're focusing all their energy on trying to kill each other. And so he's no longer has energy to spare to maintain his spells. This is just basically. the worst plan. No, they're, they're, they're morons, Danielle. Again, children's book. I cannot morons. say this enough. This is a terrible, terrible plan. They're their own worst enemies. They would have been successful enough. They had just, you know, killed the cat and the raven in the first place and then wished everything to be fine. Does the, uh, the cat, the council, do they even, the cat council, the animal council, do they even? High council, Danielle. Do they even know that the cat is there and that the raven's with I Trinity. have no idea. Because I feel like they could just get murdered and no everybody be like, huh, I wonder yeah, where the that, cat and the I raven went. I feel that went. way too. Like, they mentioned that if they murder them, they'll know that they were missing. But I'm like, do they do like regular check-ins? Or Like, nothing is ever made about how the council operates. I feel like it's very shoddy. Yeah, uh, I, I think setup. they could just disappear and they would, they would have no idea. I think so too. So I think like they overcomplicated this. Yeah. But maybe they're just morons who think too highly of the animal high council. Apparently. Maybe they bought the propaganda. <laughs> so... All those creatures start escaping and they storm into the laboratory where Tarania and Preposter are stuck and they just start trashing the place. They're like 
ticked off about being imprisoned, obviously. You think they'd all try to escape? I mean, some of them do, but some of them are just sort of like, oh, we're going to break some stuff on our way out. It's <laughs> fair. And I'm not going to do a whole lot of details, but it becomes sort of like a Beauty and the Beast situation where all the, the evil furniture starts fighting back. Uh-huh. And so it becomes like this battle between the nature spirits and the evil furniture as the prosper <laughs> loses control of everything. It's just it's a bedlam, essentially. Windows are getting smashed. I like it because he's destroyed all these things, so it seems fitting that they've all turned on him. Yeah, exactly. It's very, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Satisfying. And then in the library, the books start turning on each other. I want to read the sentence to you because I think it's kind of funny. So now it's a well-known fact that books often hate each other's guts. Even with normal books, no one with any sensitivity would put Justine, of all books, next to Heidi or Revenue Law next to the never-ending story. I'm like, Michael N., did you just call it your own book in your own book? Well done, Michael N. <laughs> I guess if I had written something as classic as the never-ending story, I would, like, low-key insert it in all my novels, yeah, too. No, I'm like, that's a, like a great humble brag. I'm like, oh, Michael N., you're wily. I like you. That's funny. That's everything. It's just it's basically bedlam. It's chaos. As this is happening, finally, like, Preposteror and Tyrannia are knocked over and they roll away from each other, breaking their gaze at the same time, freeing them from their mutual staring contest paralysis. And Preposteror just bellows, stop, and all the furniture stops, and all the nature spirits escape out the windows and smash doors and everything oh, while it happens. I feel bad for the furniture, but I'm glad all the spirits made it out. The the laboratory is totally destroyed, except for the Satan Anarch and the Ideal Hellish Notion Potion, which is still fine. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> It was a close call because it could have gone horribly awry. So during the bedlam, both Jacob and Morris flee out back to the window again because things are going crazy. They, they, they immediately get back into their room. They hear chaos. And it's like, okay, we're back out. They scramble up a tree in the garden, the dead garden, and Morris catches a cold, which ruins his voice <laughs> even further. Okay, so he sounds that's like not how squeak colds now. work. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, they're continuing to deteriorate. Their health is going downhill faster and faster as, as the night goes See, on. See, that's fine, but that's not how colds work. I mean, the cold, I'm, I'm not saying the cold caused it, the cold contributed to it. Like, it made it, like, it's piling on. Sure. So they're looking in through the window at Tyrannia and Preposterer who are sort of getting themselves up and they're like, okay, what do we do now? You know what? Let's let bygones be bygones. We've wasted an awful lot of time. Yeah, you did. And so we just got to get right down to business. Let's just forget our little feud, go get the animals, bring them in here to witness us being a magnanimous and get get our quota fulfilled. And so they walk out into the corridor to go find Jacob and Morris. And when Morris and Jacob take the opportunity to swoop in through the broken window, Jacob cuts himself on the glass Uh and is bleeding. So, you know, he's getting worse too. Like everyone's just getting, they're pretty sad. Like they're at the end of their rope, basically. (laughs) Oh, poor Poor little cat and bird. Yeah. And so Jacob is trying to get the ice cube note into the dish and they hear the preposterer and Antony come in and he's having trouble because his beak is like frozen shut. <laughs> and so Morris jumps up and like pries his mouth open and the ice cube falls into the bowl and there's a plonk and they're like a silent vibration, like a bell rings with no sound and the whole room kind of shakes. Okay. And at that very moment... Tarani and Preposter uh, walk in and see them there like, hey, what are you doing here? And Jacob tries to say something, but he just can't think of anything. And Morris finally breaks. He's like, oh, gosh, we were so scared by the bedlam. We, f- we fled out into the garden. And then we-, we came into here and we were hiding. And it was just like, oh, crazy. We're so scared. What's going on? Are you guys okay? <laughs> like, you know, pulling the whole like sad sack routine and they buy it completely. And they're like, all right. Good thing you're here. We have some wishes we need to make to make us look like good people. (laughs) And Morris starts coughing. And it's a really like, it's like, here's a sentence. Whoever has seen a little cat in the throes of a coughing fit (laughs) knows what a heartbreaking sight that can be. The sorcerer and the witch pretended to be very concerned. (laughs) 
Oh, this poor little kitty. I know. It's so like, they're like, I can't explain to you how much Morris and Jacob have suffered. They're like, they're literally at the ragged end here physically. I feel so bad for them. And so Tyrannia and Preposterer lie about how like some evil people had broken into the lab to try to fight them and stop them from doing their good wishes. And so let's get right down to it. But we fought them off. So now it's time to do our wishing. Perfect. Perfect timing. Yeah. Let's do this. It's 11.15 p.m. and they're getting ready to do their wishes. They have, they have 45 minutes to drink wasted this. Wasted so much time. Oh my God. They're in so much trouble. And here's the other problem is this is a very alcohol hellish drink is the term they use, which means it is pretty much very alcoholic. Uh-huh. They are going to get sloshed. Can you imagine the wishes you would make the drunker you got? Well, we're about to find out, Danielle. <laughs> be terrible. So they, they each take a glass one after another and they start making wishes and all the wishes have to rhyme because magic. Because. <laughs> So again, I'm going to read you one of the wishes just to give you a sense of how this works. So the first wish is Preposterous who says, O potent bowl of omnipotent potion, now hear my wish and grant me a notion. And every wish starts with that couplet. Mm-hmm. And he says, 10,000 dying trees in the wood shall again flourish and grow, while those that are healthy and still looking good certainly shall remain so. <laughs> going to kill 10,000 trees. That's what, that's what his goal is. And so Morris and Jacob are not quite sure if the silent bell has been effective or not. Mm-hmm. But they know it went off. They know something happened, but they don't know, like, again, does that count as the ringing of a bell if there was no sound to accompany it? Well, they should have thought of that before they plunked it in the potion. Well, they uh, they didn't know it was going to happen, Daniel. It's not like <laughs> someone gives you a condensed bell sound from the future every day. <laughs> well, you know what? St. Nicholas, that's not St. Nicholas, should have said... Father New Year. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Should have given him, like... I think in the original German book, he was, like, a pope or something. Well, then he should have said, hey, this is what you do with your magic ice cube bell. Well, he didn't. Much of their chagrin. Anyway, again, they have no way of... Even if they had rang the bell, they wouldn't know. Because, again, they have no way of verifying what's happening in the world. Like, they don't know if good things or bad things are happening because of these wishes. Right. And so it goes on and on. We get a bunch of different wishes, and they're just getting drunker and drunker. And as they get drunker and drunker, they get slurrier and slurrier. Like, their their words are getting, like... Their rhymes get worse and worse. (laughs) It's really pretty good. So the spells are taking place as they're saying them. But the good versions, because, like, whatever they actually wish, right? Yeah. So my, my, again, my understanding of this magic and again it's magic so who knows <laughs> but is that you wish for things and the opposite happens but if you don't complete it by the stroke of midnight everything that you wish for instead comes true automatically reverses all the wishes you made basically so he wished for 10,000 trees to be healthy and flourishing and so 10,000 trees have already died have uh, are flourishing because they put this uh, presumably they put the bell in there that would cancel out the reversing effect but if not then they would be dead and when the bell rang it would reverse if they hadn't finished this yeah okay. Again, (laughs) we are getting really litigious about this potion that's supposed to be... I want to understand what's happening in this world, Sam. I get it, Danielle, but it's also... It's children magic. I can't... Apparently, it's like way above my level. (laughs) It is very complicated, apparently. I just... I don't understand this child magic. So, just keep wishing, and they get sloshier and sloshier, and stumblier and stumblier with their words, and eventually there's not much left, and they start having trouble finding rhymes. They're kind of like, they're running out of ideas for evil things to do in the world, mm-hmm. and they decide to... <laughs> Run to out. Maybe, maybe, uh, let's let's have a little private joke, and they and they turn on the cat and the raven, and are like, let's make a little wish for our friends here. Uh-oh. And so, Tyrannia goes first, and she wishes that Jacob is, you know, going to be beautiful 
and so on and so forth. And look, oh my gosh, he does. He turns into a beautiful raven. All his feathers are restored. He's all healed. His rheumatism is gone, as he would say. <laughs> and they're very surprised. Preposterous and Tyranny are like, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. Preposterous like, you did something wrong. Here, let me show you how it's done. So he wishes for Morris to be beautiful and full of a long white coat and have a beautiful singing voice, healthy and all that kind of stuff. And to quote, Morris, who had been deathly sick and hardly able to mutter a sound a moment before, suddenly felt his measly fat little body tautening, growing, and assuming the size of a picture-perfect muscular tomcat. Aww. Yay. And Jacob's like, hey, you look pretty good. And he's like, you look pretty good yourself. And Jacob's like, you know what? You should call yourself uh, Mauricio DeMauro from now on. I think the name suits you. <laughs> and so he formally adopts that name. It's very exciting. I hope nothing goes wrong. Well, the witch and the wizard, the sorcerer, are now gluing each other like, what's going on? Clearly, this isn't what we expected. But they're a little bit too drunk to really think clearly at this point, And they just start blaming each other. That is <laughs> like, the Like, you dilemma. messed up. <laughs> And are you messed up? And they're, but they're so drunk that like they're not even doing that right. I love this spell. I think the spell's hilarious. It's really funny. It's, it's, it's a clever idea about a reversing spell that unreverses if you don't do it and right. And makes you drunker as you as you continue taking it. So like the chances of you remembering that's a reversing spell or yeah, like exactly. any of that by the end is just slim to none. Yeah, no, it's really it's really kind of a fun little trap. Like really making it hard on you. Yeah, it's, it's great. I love it. And so there's like only a few cups left and, they, and they're, they're desperate to get it done. And so what they do is at the same time, they each take a sip and they try to curse the other person. Mm-hmm. But again, they're drunk, so you still think it's reversing. So what they wish for is, I'm going to try to read this, but again, it's them being completely drunk. Oh, pitten ball of omnipotent potion, now smear my fish and rant me an ocean. <laughs> May you enjoy beauty and eternal youth, uh, health and virtue rain down from above. May your spirit be cleansed of all hate and untruth, and above all, oops, your heart full of love. They're going to make each other better people. Well, they're hoping that'll like ruin them. But again, they forgot that they haven't figured out quite. They haven't grasped that the reversing effect isn't working because they're they're sloshed. They didn't see this coming for some reason. (laughs) And so they try to wish each other as better people because of everything that's happened. It actually literally happens. And this is where, oh boy, this is the weirdest part of the book. (laughs) (laughs) That's saying something. Bring it on, Sam. (laughs) So they immediately turn young and beautiful. Like, Tarani is no longer giant and, and, and grossly overweight, and her, like, dress barely fits on her. She's, like, in a tent. And Preposter has beautiful hair and is young, and they're kind, and they're lovely people. And they look at each other. I'm trying to read this sentence for you. And then they suddenly stop talking and smiled admiringly at each other, quite as if they had just met for the very first time. And I'm like, uh... What? Weren't they related? Yes. She's his aunt. <laughs> <laughs> like real aunt, right? Not family friend yeah, aunt. Yeah, no, blood aunt. <laughs> yep. And this is, I'm like, why is, mm, what, is there some sort of Loki incest in this children's book? <laughs> That's creepy. Maybe it just means, does it continue in that vein? Uh, Kinda. Uh, let me see. Okay, I'm going to read what they say when they're completely drunk. What they say to each other is, Bulls a baby, stammered the aunt. You really are a peedy swy. Although I must say, hiccup, you look much too double all of a sudden, because she's seen double. And, and he says, Hold ye maiden fair, babbled her nephew. You must be a mirage, for all of a sudden you've got a halo or two. In any case, I worship you, dearest Rintatanti. My soul has done an about face. I feel so embellished, you know, so sweet and loving beyond all measure. <laughs> So maybe they're no, just this decided is not okay. that they love each other like family, Sam. Uh, no, <laughs> definitely not. So anyway, they're all like lovey-dovey for a little bit. 
very uncomfortably. <laughs> they're, they're like, we were so terrible. We have so much remorse for ourselves. And I'm going to, again, I'm going to read this because it's so weird. What aunt, what his aunt says after the sorcerer began to blubber, we sure were repulsive, disgusting fiend is what we were. I'm so ashamed. And she says, come to my virginal bosom, thou noble youth. Oh, I'm like, okay. no, no, what? No. <laughs> They understand now that the potion granted all of their stuff literally, and then they're like, wait a minute, we're not going to meet our quota, we're super screwed, and they start panicking, and they're like, okay, okay, what if we wish for, we have one more scoop left for each of us, we could wish for something terribly evil, and maybe still make our quota. But the problem is, they're so good, they can't think of anything evil to wish for. <laughs> like, they, they, they become good, like, oh, I can't think of anything evil, and so what they managed to do with their last drink of potion is... At the very same moment, to wish for everything to be just as it was. And so they reverse back to their ugly old evil selves, just as the stroke of midnight happens. Uh-oh. And that's when the bell that was dropped into the potion rings, shattering the cauldron. What happens next? Well, at that exact moment, Maledictus Maggot shows up. He sees Preposteror and Tyrannia passed out drunk on the floor. And he's like, well, we had a little party, didn't we? He's not amused by them. He should have. They should have wished him away or something. Right? Like, wished that all their deeds were done. <laughs> Either way, he, like, stamps his, their heads with, well, like, a takeaway stamp and, and gets them all prepped up to be repossessed, whatever that means. In all the confusion earlier, both Morris and Jacob had slipped away while the aunt and uncle were arguing with each other about, you know, who had screwed up the potion. And now they're all sickly again, right? Nope. They're, they're fine. The wish is stuck. The wish is stuck. Why did the wishes stick? Because it's a time travel paradox, Dave. <laughs> They canceled out the reversing effect of the potion at the very beginning. So when midnight happened, nothing happened because the reversing effect had already been canceled. Huh, okay. <laughs> right? Like they, they basically took a sound, uh, took a bell ringing into the past and applied it to the present. And so in the future, it didn't happen. Got it. Kind of. This book is really confusing if you're thinking about too long. <laughs> See? You're making fun of me for not understanding, but this book is very confusing. <laughs> This book is very complicated. It's kind of complicated. I mean, any book with time travel is a little bit like, okay, it doesn't make sense if you think about it too long. So there you go. <laughs> but meanwhile, Jacob and Mauricio, he's back to be Mauricio again, have climbed back up the tower to, in the cathedral to sit in the bell tower and observe the new year. They did it very easily. Now they're hale and hearty. And Mauricio starts singing a little bit. And Jacob's like, oh, that's very nice. Does he go on to have a career in the opera? Maybe. I don't know. We don't get that far into his epilogue. Oh, that's sad. They're like, okay, what do we do now? I mean, we're back to being natural enemies as a bird and a cat. And he's like, oh, maybe not true. Maybe we can like hang out a little bit more, at least until we get back to the council of uh, High Council of Animals and report on what happened. And then the raven says something that's not okay. <laughs> So, uh, Mauricio asks me, tell me the truth. How many wives do you have anyway? And the raven says, well, you know, there's no relying on women. You have to get a good supply ahead of time. Otherwise, you're liable to be left out in the cold. And a traveling bird needs many a warm nest. But you're too young to understand that. The cat feigned indignation. I'll never understand such things. Just you wait, Mr. Minisinger. I'm like, okay, no what? Jacob, Ew, no. no, Jacob. See, no. I didn't like Jacob from the beginning. I mean, Jacob is, is fine up until that point. Or not fine, but usually not terrible. Like, that is, uh, I don't approve of that line of thinking <laughs> at all. Unless all the uh, wives are in on it. I mean, okay, yeah. If they're all in on it, that's fine. But his like... I just don't appreciate they do that. Women are unreliable, so you need to get as many as you can. Like, oh, no, no. They're the, not Pokemon. You don't need the that. The concept no. behind it, regardless, is sketchy. 
Yeah, that's probably the only really problematic part of this book, I think, is that, not to minimise it, but, you know, there are a lot of children's books that do a lot worse. Oh, Jacob, I'm you could do better. Yeah, you would hope. And so, again, they watch the fireworks and they decide to hang out just a little bit longer and, quote, and since by some miracle he could suddenly speak fluent Italian, Mauricio, he sang in his incomparably mellifluous Napolitan cat tenor, Tutto e ben quel, se finessi bene, which is Italian, and I probably said that all wrong, but it means all is well that ends well. The end. There's a mini clap. So, that is The Night of Wishes by Michael End. That's quite the story. It gets weirder as it goes. It gets starting now, it's like, okay, evil wizards, animal, I think it's like, oh, okay, miracles, time traveling, bell sounds, what? So they stay good people at the end? No, they, they, they wish everything to be back, to, they wish for themselves to be back to the way things were. They just wish it for themselves or for all the things? Yeah, they just wish it for themselves, apparently. Okay, and they got taken away. So they away. were reverted back to being evil, and so no record of their good deeds or evil plan survived. Oh, but all the good deeds stayed, right? Just that yep. they changed. Everything that they did good happened. So as a book about environmentalism, that's kind of bad because like, okay, problem solved, everyone. Don't worry about the worth anymore. We got it covered. I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't wish for all their wishes to be reversed. Okay. Well, that sounds like one of those weird genie things, but you can't wish for more wishes. I don't know how that would work, Danielle. <laughs> well, You're pulling my noodle right now. That would have solved the problem because then all the bad stuff would have happened and they wouldn't have been taken away. Like that would have like, been- I, I don't know how that would work with this. I, I mean, again, I don't know how the potions, you know, bylaws, <laughs> but- <laughs> They didn't even try. <laughs> also, they were they were very drunk, Danielle. I'm sure they could not thought something that smart. But yeah, so there you go. Michael End wrote many books. This is another one. <laughs> this is another one. I can't believe he wrote more than two books. <laughs> uh, he wrote a lot of books, Danielle. I know. We Googled him or last episode. Yeah. Because I didn't believe that he'd written other books. <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't believe it. It's a common thing for authors to write more than one book. <laughs> Not that I didn't believe it. It was just that I wanted to see proof of it in front of my own eyes. Uh, you don't trust me enough. But yeah, so there you go. I, I gotta say, I, I enjoy this book a lot. I think for children, it's goofy and weird and kind of like just edgy enough that like you know the middle grade people like in your middle school like oh it's just not like it's cool because a little edgy to it you know it's a little evil like all this gross stuff but it's actually got some pretty good messages except for jacob's uh, misogyny which is a problem (laughs) that's a good conversation with your children to have don't be jacob don't be jacob be nice but don't be jacob Yeah. Any lingering questions that aren't time travel related, Danielle? No, I think I asked my 12,000 questions related to (laughs) how the spell phenomenon works. I think that nobody in this book had the ability to make a plan, which is the most frustrating thing for me about the book is that the evil people, their plan was not that bad, actually. They had a pretty good plan. They just had terrible execution. Yes. The good people had no ability to plan at all. Like, the High Council was there in name only. It could very well not have existed. I was going to say, I, I think it's weird that they had the High Council in there and never did anything with it. Right. There was no, like, hey, like the evil people trying to keep the animals on their side to keep the High Council. Like, the High Council doesn't like it has a lot of power. Like, what are they going to do? <laughs> like, it doesn't sound like there's any organization. So the threat that they faced that made them want to do this convoluted reverse wishing thing, I didn't really quite get that. No, I think that was weird. It didn't seem like they anything was going to happen to them if they killed the spies either. Yeah, exactly. 
but also like the spies, they did nothing. Like yes, they were brave, they, but like their most heroic act was climbing the the bell tower for a plan that wasn't going to work unless they accidentally came across a stone guardian. Yeah, like if Father New Year had to magic himself to them and given them a, a magic time traveling bell sound, they, they had no plan. Like their whole plan was go to window and just hope it works itself out, and it did. <laughs> See, <laughs> so freaking lucky. <laughs> You just need more optimism and security in your life, Sam. Just and I the guess belief that's all that I things need. will work out, and they do. Well, I hope this might have inspired you to maybe look at other works of Michael N, because he has quite a large repertoire of books, and they're all pretty fun. I mean, you know, I don't know if they're all as good as The NeverEnding Story or all as classic as that, but I think the only reason people really know The NeverEnding Story anyway is because of the movie. That's true. Which is a fine movie. It's a good movie, but it's not a very accurate representation of the of the book and what the book's message is. That's also true, because the book is quite different than the movie. Yes. And I still, and very good. Again, also very good. So I would hope people will, will explore his work a bit more. Me too. Says the girl who only read The Neverending Story. <laughs> well, maybe, Danielle, this will inspire you. But I did read it. To be fair, I did not just watch the movie. <laughs> Points for effort. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. For the current book, I really want to hear from people who know any amount of German and can help explain to me like half the things I said in this book and or, or any of the puns because I'm just super curious about the wordplay in this book and how well it kind of translated or not. He really is curious about wordplay and puns, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not lying. So if you have any experience with German wordplay and want to share some of that with us or correct my atrocious pronunciations of many of the words in this episode or the previous one, you can reach us at bookretorts.com. Or you can tweet at us, Instagram, Facebook, at bookretorts. So until next time, bye. Take care, everybody. All right, Danielle, prepare yourself for the hardest part of this whole show, clapping. It is really, really hard. <laughs> All right, Come well, on, position hands. yourself, you engage clapping position, ready retro boosters. <laughs> we can do this. We can do this, hands. Let's go. <laughs>